the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We have every right to be excited about this month of November, in part because it places before us the full dimensions of the playing field. It so often happens that as we go about our daily duties, we only have a partial vision of the whole picture. You could say that we only see the, the, the end zone or just the, the shallow end of the pool. The month of November places before us not only those who happen to share this moment in history with us, but rather it brings to mind those with whom we are intimately connected, those who have gone before us. There comes to mind that church in Rome, right by the Piazza Barberini, where in that church there is a plaque that says, rather hauntingly, referring to the dead who are buried there, what you are now, we once were. What we are now, you shall be. It is a great thing to think about the last things, about what comes next, and about those who have gone before us. Not just to think in terms of nostalgia, but to think in terms of responsibility. You might recall that the, the TED talk that Pope Francis gave a few years ago. At one point he said, we all need each other. None of us is an island, an autonomous and independent I, separated from the other. And we can only build the future by standing together, including everyone. We don't think about it often, but everything is connected. And we need to restore our connections to a healthy state. Well, everything is connected, everyone is connected. And one of the ways in which we have to restore our connections to a healthy state is precisely by spending this time of prayer contemplating the holy souls in purgatory. When we talk about the holy souls in purgatory, we are not talking about an outdated, arcane concept. Far from it. This is real. They are undergoing genuine purification in order to be admitted to their eternal reward in heaven. The Catechism of the Church says, All who die in God's grace and friendship, but still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation.
But after death, they undergo a purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. And in the very next point, the Catechism says, the Church gives the name purgatory to this final purification of the elect, which is entirely different from the punishment of the damned. Well, it's only logical to enter into eternal life it is necessary that we, that we be purified of all sin. If one has not sufficiently expiated or atoned for any specific offenses against God during the course of our present life, there is further need for reparation to be accomplished. Back in 2011, Pope Benedict, in one of his homilies, spoke about St. Catherine of Genoa, who lived in the 15th century, who you could say is, is a specialist in purgatory. And at one point he says in that homily, that Catherine affirms that God is so pure and holy that the soul with stains of sin cannot be in the presence of the divine majesty. And we also realize how far we are, how full we are of so many things so that we cannot see God. The soul is conscious of the immense love and perfect justice of God, and in consequence, suffers for not having responded correctly and perfectly to that love. And that is why the love itself of God becomes a flame. Love itself purifies it from its dross of sin. Now, we rarely use that word dross. It basically means those impurities. In the steel-making process, part of the process is to burn away the, the dross, the impurities that would weaken the resultant steel. Whenever we learn that a friend of ours has lost a loved one, the very best message we can send to them is that we will pray for the repose of that person's soul. This is a sentiment that we can never lose. We can never lose that vocabulary because it reflects our awareness of the need to pray for the faithful departed. It is a great sense of responsibility that will lead us to say that kind of thing, knowing that our prayers can help the souls in purgatory. Now, let's face it, so many people that we deal with, if they lose a loved one, they will receive all sorts of messages along the lines of, I send you nice thoughts. Well, if we put our soul, ourselves in the shoes of those in purgatory, they are shouting to us, I don't want nice thoughts. I want prayers. You may have read that St. Josemaria had a wonderful approach to helping the holy souls. He would ask the Lord, especially during the month of November, to grant a general amnesty 
to empty purgatory. Well, that is a wonderful sentiment. From the very beginning of the church, the faithful of the church have honored the memory of the dead and offered prayers in suffrage for them, above all the Eucharistic sacrifice, precisely so that thus purified those holy souls in purgatory may attain the the beatific vision of God. Now, it may happen that as we consider these, these ideas, words come up that we have not heard in a long time. For example, offering prayers in suffrage for the holy souls. It is a crucial concept that we can really and truly help the holy souls in purgatory by offering these prayers as a way of relieving their punishment, offering suffrages. There is a rather jarring anecdote from the life of St. Padre Pio. One day he had an apparition of a holy soul in purgatory asking for prayers to go to paradise. St. Padre Pio promised to offer the Mass on the following day for that person. When that soul heard that he had to wait, he cried, cruel. Then he wept and disappeared. Well, St. Padre Pio wrote, that complaint produced in me a wound to the heart that I have felt and I I will feel my whole life. In fact, I would have been able to immediately send that soul to heaven, but I condemned him to remain another night in the flames of purgatory. Well, stories like that, they help us to appreciate that this is real, that this is something we have to take very seriously. Javier Echeverria, who served the Mass of St. Josemaria countless times, told us that St. Josemaria took that moment in the Mass very seriously, that moment of the memento for the dead. And at that moment, he would pray especially intensely for the, the departed souls. What does it mean for us to offer suffrages? It's a nice phrase, but what, what, how do we do it? The principal suffrage is the Mass. Every single Mass includes words for the departed. For example, in the first Eucharistic prayer we say, Remember those who have died. May these and all who sleep in Christ, may they find in your presence light, happiness, and peace. And in the second Eucharistic prayer, remember our brothers and sisters who have gone to their rest. Bring them and all the departed into the light of your presence. Well, during this month, each time we we go to Mass, let us have this determination 
to very explicitly and very intensely offer that Mass for the repose of the soul of, of the departed. We can offer our Holy Communion. When we pray the Holy Rosary, we can do so as suffrage. As the day goes by, we come across different occasions when we can make small sacrifices. What a wonderful thing to do to offer those sacrifices for the holy souls in purgatory. And the very same thing when we sit down to work, to study, to say explicitly, this hour of work is going to be for the holy souls. Especially those whom I, I knew who have, who have left us recently. We can even name them. In this area, indulgences play a special role. There's another word we, we don't hear all that often, but that it is very real. When we offer certain prayers, certain acts of piety, the Lord applies the merits of, of his death and resurrection to the holy souls. We can gain those indulgences in a number of ways, including praying the rosary as a family, making the way of the cross, spending an hour, a half hour of prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. There's another aspect of the, this special economy that the Lord has established you could say a kind of celestial exchange. We help the holy souls in purgatory, and they, even though they can't help themselves, they can help us. There is a real, blessed reality of the communion of the saints. Through the communion of the saints, our great allies in purgatory can help us too. As St. Josemaria writes in The Way, the holy souls in purgatory, out of charity, out of justice, and out of excusable selfishness, parentheses, they have such power with God, remember them often in your sacrifices and in your prayers. May you be able to say when you speak of them, my good friends, the souls in purgatory. Well, even now during this time of prayer, we can dwell on that phrase, they have such power with God. It's an important thing, important thing for us to know who our, our allies are. Given that they are so equipped with that power, right now in our own prayer we can call to mind certain intentions that we have, and say to them, I don't care how you do it, just do it. Obtain for these intentions all that divine help that, that I need. Going back to that phrase that we, with which we started, which is very, very thought-provoking, the dead saying to us, what you are now we once were. And what we are now, you shall be. 
That brings to mind another crucial aspect of our life on this earth. That when it comes to making moral choices, it helps us a great deal to contemplate the bigger picture, the afterlife. Meditating on the holy souls is a tremendous aid to gain perspective on our own life. Years ago, back in the mid-80s, the then Cardinal Ratzinger said, only the exigency of eternal life, only those demands confer their absolute urgency on the moral duty of this life. When we are about to to make a moral choice, to choose a certain path, could be a small choice or a big one, the exigency of eternal life, in looking ahead, thinking of what comes afterwards, that changes everything. That changes the dynamics of that choice. And those demands of eternal life, the reality of what comes afterwards, All of that confers its absolute urgency on making the proper moral decision. Years ago, the the then Cardinal Ratzinger wrote a book called Credo for Today. And in that work, he says the following. The Christian knows that he is not free to do whatever he pleases. That his activity is not a game that God allows him and does not take seriously. The Christian knows that he must answer for his actions. Faith in the last judgment, and we could add faith in purgatory, it holds this questioning of our life over our heads so that we cannot forget it for a moment. Nothing and no one empowers us to trivialize the tremendous seriousness involved in such knowledge. It shows our life to be a serious business, and precisely by doing so, gives our life its dignity. Well, these are really and truly our haunting words that help us to take each day seriously to help us to avoid a happy-go-lucky, complacent attitude towards the way we live our life. Our activity, whatever we're doing, is not just a game. God is never indifferent to the way we live our life. Well, the sense of the sense of sin, the sense of doing whatever to please God can really help us when we're tempted, for example, to be all too understanding with ourselves. To say to ourselves, oh, you poor thing, and then let ourselves off the hook with regard to the demands of our moral life. In that context, Thinking of the holy souls in purgatory can give us a tremendous source of energy. 
I mean, just thinking, for example, our, our favorite moment of the day when the alarm clock goes off. If we can somehow, this might be a minor miracle, but if we can conjure up in our mind the reality that we can help the holy souls in purgatory, at that moment, by getting out of bed right away, well, that becomes a tremendous source of energy. And furthermore, when we come to the realization, I have to make amends, reparation, expiation for my sins. That becomes a source of energy. And we can then dive back into our work, even if we're tired or bored or any other such negative approach to our work. We can dive back into it and say to the Lord very explicitly, I offer this up. I dive into this with passion as a way of making amends for my sins and as a way of alleviating the suffering of the souls in purgatory. One of the images that St. Josemaria used to love to, to use was to be determined to leap over purgatory with a single bound or like a pole vaulter. Well, that's interesting. And we can ask ourselves, how do we go about that? Well, obviously, making reparation in this life, getting it out, getting it out of the way, so to speak, is eminently smart. Regular confession is eminently smart. Now, it's not the usual way we put it, but... And then that chapter of, of pain, of sickness, of suffering. All of these can be a grace to make reparation for our personal sin. If and when, if and when we fall sick, for example, if there's suffering of any type, let us never waste that resource. That's the moment to turn to the Lord and say, I hereby offer these sufferings, this discomfort, this pain, as reparation. As a matter of fact, we can make the determination right now to turn our entire life into a spatium vere penitentiae, a time, a space, a spatium of true penance, simply by making this intention right now of turning everything we do into reparation, true penance. Well, finally, we can consider, especially during this month of November, our chance to seek purification. Purification of the dross, of the impurities, so that we can be ready to see God at the moment of death. Especially important is purification in our interior world. Our memory, our imagination, our curiosity. Purification of the dross of grudges, of rancor, of resentment. 
You may have heard that story told by Father Jacques Philippe, very important author, who recounts that once, one day he was involved in a parish mission. So he went to the home of a, a woman in her 90s, and he took one look at her and he saw in her face very evident resentment that had been boiling over for a long time. Well, he started speaking with her and it turned out that she was still really upset and resentful by something that a teacher had done to her in grade school. Well, Father Philippe uh, made a quick calculation and he placed that scene between the First and Second World War. So he stared at this woman in amazement and he said, you know, you really want to let go of that. Because if things go as nature prescribes, you will see the, the, your creator a lot earlier than I will. And you have to be ready. You have to let go of that resentment. And she simply said very brusquely, no. And he had to leave that house in defeat. Well, we shudder at our capacity to hold on to resentment. And right now we can turn to the Holy Souls, our good friends, the souls in purgatory, and ask them, just ask them for that grace so that, that we not retain anything, any impurity, any resentment grudges, anywhere in our soul. But we finish, as we always do, by turning to Our Lady and asking her that during this Mass, during this entire month, that she reach out and she bring all her children who happen to be in purgatory, that she do whatever it takes to bring them home. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.